right. Uh, greetings, programs, and welcome to another episode of the Awesome Friday Podcast. Coming to you on a Sunday, because Friday is a state of mind, in addition to being, you know, a time and a place. Uh, my name is Matthew, and with me as always is Simon, so say hello, Simon. Hello, I'm going to try and match your gravitas, because you you're a little bit sick, so you have this amazing um, NPR style. Welcome to Awesome Friday. Today we'll be talking about <laughs> interesting things. It's, it's, um, it's interesting. I think that I might be actually really good on the radio as long as I always had a little bit of a cold. Yeah. It, you know, I have, it reduces my energy to the point where I can speak in that uninterrupted radio voice and it adds just a touch of gravel to an otherwise deep voice anyway. And I feel it gives me an authoritative sound that perhaps is unmatched among our friend group, at least. There is a large market for gravelly red um, genre stories, shall we say? <laughs> I think you'd be you'd be good at that, absolutely. So you're saying I should try and become the guy who reads books, like audiobooks? Uh, I I was inferring more like erotic stories for housewives, but oh um, yeah, I mean yeah, that's... whatever it is. That's whatever pays, man. Whatever pays. On on that on that note, one of my things I still chuckle about is there's some Australian sketch where there's a guy with kids running around and the kids go disappear and he illicitly dials a number, and and another guy picks up and he's like, "Yeah, tell me, um, tell me what you're doing." And the other guy's like, "Oh, you know, I I just woke up at eleven. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Did, did did anything wake you up?" He's like, "No, no, I had a late night before, so I just woke up at eleven and." Like, you had a late night? Yeah, I went out with some beers with my friends. You saw your friends? Yeah. That's also, uh, what are you doing today? Oh, uh, you know, I think I'll just go and have a barbie on the beach and just hang out. Maybe go watch a film. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to organize babysitters? No, mate, I'm just going to go, like, spontaneously. And it's like, that's my life now. <laughs> the best erotic fiction is freedom. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you could, you could do that, definitely. I mean, there are times when you're like, hey, what are you up to? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> just nothing man and just, then i swear at you i tell you to yeah. go fuck yourself like how dare you <laughs> but i'm like trying to be like you know i'm out doing something that's interesting and fun for a person with no kids and i'm like no nah, it's nothing big but even that like just doing nothing and you're like yeah <laughs> fuck, fuck you man fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking cheeky how dare you <laughs> yeah yeah um so uh, yeah it's been a, it's been a week i uh we had monday off here for victoria day where we celebrate everyone in canada called victoria which is nice that's true um that's exactly what that of course and uh, and, and, uh, uh and then you're, we, you're missing out we that actually we... no one in canada calls it victoria day we all call it may 2 4. <laughs> What? Really? Well, it's the May 24th long weekend, so... so you, you really call it May 24th. This reminds me of when I found out there's, like, Saskatchewan code for beers, like, packets of beer. Like, you buy six cans of beer in Saskatchewan, it's called, like, a double whammy or something. It's got a nickname. You know this more than I do. Uh, yeah, I'm not that up on Saskatchewan grammar, but definitely, you know, there's... Uh, like, like, like We've both been watching a lot of Letterkenny, and only one of us has needed <laughs> translation from Letterkenny. So, I um I almost bought a pack of. Uh, I've just been in the shop with my daughter buying a birthday present for the party she has tomorrow. While you're lying in bed doing nothing, and um 
I wanted to buy some ice cream and there was a packet of drumsticks. So I just said to myself, oh, yeah, sticks are outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't watched Shorzy, I thoroughly recommend it. I tried to watch the last two episodes last night, but I passed out because that's my life now. Um, but Shorzy's really, really great. It's really great and really weird and wonderful. Yep. And, uh, I haven't watched YouTube... the most recent two episodes, but I'll be doing no, that soon, hopefully. You two will talk about drumsticks in that way. Yeah. Um, That's true. So, yeah, Victoria Day. So, But I found out on Victoria Day that one of my colleagues was sick, and so I had to cover teaching the whole week. So suddenly my, my week went from organized and pretty fine to absolute chaos. So I'm very glad to <sighs> make it to the weekend. Indeed. It's probably it's probably a good thing that I do have kids because I think if I didn't, I would just be like a hermit for two days. I would lock myself in the darkest room and watch horror movies for two days, which sounds amazing to be fair. I mean that's the dream. Really. <laughs> but anyway, I've just mowed my lawn because that's that's who I am now. I have a lawn and I've mowed it. <laughs> I guess you do have a lawn now that is big enough to require mowing. <laughs> just, just, just. About, like <laughs> it is maybe double the length of the actual lawnmower, but it still counts. It's fine. I mean, that grass still needs maintenance because that's it what that's uh, what I... capitalism and the boomer, the boomer American slash Canadian dream tells us. So here's the thing: I was reading up when we moved into my new house. We had these two patches of basically dirt, and I, I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to put plant grass and." read up on it. So I, I, I researched when to plant grass seed of the kind of grass seed. And then I've, I, I did a little bit more research. Turns out lawns are absolutely like terrible. Oh yeah. <laughs> terrible, terrible for nature, terrible for the environment, make no like sense uh, for anything that wants to live in it. So I tried to keep it um, as a, as a girl I once knew, I tried to honor her memory by keeping it long, <laughs> long and bushy. <laughs> Uh, wow and i'm sure and i'm way i'm too sick to come up with it but i'm sure there's a joke about you know not existing in a monoculture as well <laughs> anyway what are we talking about this week <laughs> uh well <laughs> yes this week, uh, we're talking about two movies, as we are wont to do. The first is what appears to be the first big international breakout in North American cinema this year. The uh, Indian cinema action epic piece RRR, which I swear to God is the actual title. And uh, then we're going to talk about Robert Eggers' latest effort, The Northman, which we've now both finally seen. Yes. But we're going to start with RRR. And um, for those of you who have never dipped your toes into Indian cinema, just be prepared for this movie to be a lot, is be what I would say. <laughs> um, but Simon, you have watched it more recently. I've watched it earlier yeah. this week. Uh, and this is a movie that is three hours long, three hours and five mm -hmm. minutes in Hindi. And we, to be clear, for anyone who's listening, we did watch the Hindi version because that is the version that is available to us on Netflix. But the film was originally shot in Telugu and I believe maybe Tamil at the same time. Uh, it is directed by um, S.S. Uh, Ramajuli, I believe is how you say his yeah. name. Mm -hmm. uh, and starring two of 
this of this segment of Indian cinema's biggest stars, N.T. Ramarao Jr. and Ram Charan. Um, uh, they are two of the highest paid actors in, quote, Tollywood, which is the uh, Telugu language film industry that they primarily work in. And uh, S.S. Ramajuli is one of the biggest directors in that uh, niche as well. And I find this very interesting. I don't know how much you looked into this film after trying to watch it, but the the recent movie is called RRR, which in the film they would have you think stands for Rise, Roar, Revolt. But it actually stands for the the two main actors, uh, Ram Charan and Rama Rao, and the director, Rama Julie. They got together to make a movie together for the first time, and RRR, their initials, was just the working title, and they decided to just go with it <laughs> and then work out why it makes sense and then reverse engineer it after the fact they like they didn't and i think this movie is absolutely bonkers in the best way possible i don't know how did you react to it Simon? <laughs> so th- i find this really really difficult because my first reaction is that it is not good <laughs> it is not good but i am also absolutely aware that my standard of good and bad is the kind of movies like that I'm using as my yardstick, the kind of culture that I have grown up in and evaluate movies against. And I watched a lot of movies when I was studying film at university, I watched a lot of international movies and that's really where I started realizing um, the differences between world cinema and to not just because their cinema is different from your cinema doesn't make your cinema better than their cinema. So I'm absolutely like cards on the table. Um, I appreciate that this is a, a cultural learning experience for me as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the great thing, what I love about this kind of movie that I feel like Hollywood is only just kind of getting now is that it understands that movies, action movies should be escapism. They shouldn't, the, the less grounded they are, the better, and, and I'm really talking about stunts and action. And I think the, the, the best example of this is looking at what um, uh, the Fast and Furious 9 director, um, uh, who's just left 10, what's his name? Who directed Fast Fast Furious 9? Uh, oh, Justin Lin. Justin Lin, who's a who also director. Who also directed Fast and Furious's 5, 6, right. and, and 4, 4, no, right. three, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Uh, he, and it's also kind of been on hand to produce most of the rest of them. Did he do Aquaman as well? Or am I getting no? That was James Wan, noted horror right. director James Wan, who right, right, right. who directed Fast and Furious Seven. So seven? Fast Nut. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Fast and Furious Nine is an amazing movie because it absolutely disregards the laws of physics because it knows that's not what you want. You want escapism and and. Um, inventive, creative stunts. And I've said before many times, I think stunts should be uh, a um, part of the Oscars now because you, a, a movie, a stunt movie is as uh, important to be creative as the acting and the writing and the direction and everything else. So this kind of movie, what's great about RRR is when the action starts, I guarantee you, you have not seen action like this in anything else. 
because it is so over the top it actually goes in a recursive loop and comes right back again and then goes over the top again in this like infinite over the top gesture there's one point where they two the two men wave at each other and somehow know that that signals you grab a bike i'll grab a horse and we'll hold this rope and then we'll go really fast towards each other leap off opposite sides of a bridge use each other's counterweights i'll grab this flag because the tanker will explode and so i'll dip it in water so when you throw me the boy who's in danger i'll throw you the flag so you can wrap it around yourself as you go through the fire and back again then i will grab you and then we'll swim away and then there'll be a 20 minute song and the song is about will our friendship uh, continue while you watch me do chin-ups in a tree like and none of that is is made up like <laughs> this is an hour okay. into this movie not 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 only is none of that made up it's actually a very scant description of the things that happen in that stretch of the film like not only do they the the the, the 15 the, the long montage of these two characters who are based on real indian revolutionaries who mm-hmm. have this they both have this interesting blank spot in their sort of biographies the history doesn't or at least we don't know very much about them um and they didn't overlap in person but this film basically takes these these two uh indian revolutionaries whose names are and i'm just going to apologize now for all the mispronunciations i'm going to have in this episode but uh nt ramarao jr whose <laughs> who is also known as junior ntr which i love um he plays uh komaram bim uh who's a, a tribal leader and revolutionary and ramcharan plays alori satrama raju who is a another revolutionary who famously fought against the british raj and this movie these people did not meet or have any contact in real life that we're aware of but basically the premise of this movie is what if they did and what if they became <laughs> best friends, best friends. But and like, so they meet by saving a boy um... who's trapped under an exploding bridge <laughs> and also in the water and surrounded by burning oil and their 20 minute are we going to become best friends montage includes one of them doing chin-ups in a tree, the other one doing squats with the other one on his shoulders. That's right. All the while the, the, and the, and the, and this is one thing that I didn't really fully appreciate about, and I don't have a lot of experience with Indian cinema, but like, I sort of love that every time that there's a long stretch where there's music, they're singing in the music that's narrating what's happening. And at one, at one point, the narration during this meet cute montage describes them as like the, the meeting of a volcano in a storm and implies that their friendship, like there's an open question as to whether their friendship will lead to bloodshed. And it's just completely amazing. I think I was reading about this movie after the fact and the, the sort of best description I can, that I've found of this, this particular version of Indian cinema, this Telugu language, Tollywood, is that if you can imagine what you think Bollywood is, which in many ways is sort of Hollywood, but amped to 11, then Tollywood is Bollywood amped to 11. <laughs> so it's it's just more. Like, everything is more. Everything is bigger. And um... I can totally see people bouncing right off this movie the runtime is a big ask it's three hours and five minutes in hindi it's three hours and two minutes in telugu um 
and the acting styles are very different than what we're used to here in North America. It's very stagey and very melodramatic and yeah yeah and completely just in case you haven't heard me say this completely over the top but but also if you're able to meet this movie on its own wavelength you will not have seen anything else like it this year it is completely Mm -hmm. bonkers and i think your comparison to fast and furious is a good one because the thing that makes this movie work for me is that like those movies it operates without snark and without sarcasm and without irony. It is completely sincere in everything that it does. And that's sort of unheard of, at least here in North America, mm-hmm. in this kind of movie. In the same way that Fast and Furious sort of works because all of the action is over the top, but all of the you know family stuff mm-hmm. is completely sincere. Mm-hmm. And this movie operates at that wavelength, but again, amped up to whatever 11 times 11 is. So 120. I sort of feel bad. I know that you didn't get to get through the whole thing, which I sort of feel bad about because there's some amazing stuff in, the back, in the back hour. <laughs> I, I will watch it. It's going to take some time. My My bigger problem is the melodramatic style of this kind of theater, which which is kind of fun when it's the two leads who are both great at this. Like they're really great at this hulking melodramatic strongman. And honestly, I really want to see, um, Oh, I've lost his name. Um, Ram Charan. I want to see him in a fast and furious movie because first of all, I think he'd be amazing because he's got this incredible old timey, um, Indian hero melodramatic thing that would work really well. Um, just like um, in, in Triplex 3, it had Pritchard. Oh, God, what's her name? Oh, you're Pritchard talking about. Uh, no, you're talking about uh, Deepika Padukone. Yeah, who, who was great. And so he was really, really good in this. So I think he'd be great in Fast and Furious. And also, he's clearly a massive star. I've never heard of him, but he's clearly huge. So that would be good for Fast and Furious's really good record with diversity as well. But the problem is that this takes place in uh, at a time where the British Raj is in full effect and they are horrible people. But the British delivery and acting makes me want to tear out my ears <laughs> and never listen to any other voice ever again. Like the delivery, I don't know if it's because the English was written by some by someone whose English wasn't their first language, or if it didn't get a pass, or if they're going for melodrama. But even then, you've got actors like Ray Stevenson, who I think is usually reliable, like and uh, Alison Duty, who I've seen in some other things. Just awful. The worst line delivery and act react. And I don't know if they're being directed that way. It just makes me want to scream how bad the the dramatic scenes are. So, so I, I am with you on how over the top all of it is, but I th- I think this is, and I don't mean, I don't want to disparage anyone, but also I think this is like, if you, again, if you can meet this movie on its own wavelength, it's just everything. And I'm not, I'm not, this isn't hyperbole. Everything in this movie is dialed to 11. 
literally <laughs> everything. Yeah. And so Ray Stevenson, I can every scene, like in my mind, in every scene, they did a take, and then the director's off to the side yelling, now do it bigger. No, bigger. <laughs> more. More. Like and well, that's a valid ev- point, actually. Yeah. And, and and everything about this is just more. Like Ray Stevenson plays the governor of India, and he's not just racist. He's the most racist. <laughs> <laughs> And his and his wife is played by Alison Duty, who's most people I know that will have their context for her being the the Nazi blonde woman Elsa from the last Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and she's like just her, not yeah. a sadist. She's the most sadistic. Like everything and everyone in this movie, again, is just ramped. It's it's not just melodramatic. It's arch. Like they are not just enemies. They are arch enemies. They're arch villains. Yeah. Like Ray Stevenson's first big monologue in the movie is basically someone's about to shoot an Indian peasant and he goes to the soldier and says, that <laughs> bullet was made with with British medals by British men in Britain and it was brought here on a British ship and by the time it got here, it cost an entire British pound and you'd waste it on these people. Like, it's like mm-hmm. I said, like you just like, you just have to meet it on that wavelength. You just have to be prepared for everything to be the most of everything. Yeah, and I can again. I don't begrudge anyone who's bouncing off of that thing, but if you can meet it there, it's amazing. <laughs> like, that, that, that because like yeah. because where you're saying that like you had wanted to tear your ears off your face uh, every time that they spoke, I was I was right there with it the whole time. I was like, yeah, <laughs> he is. He's the worst. He's not just the. He's the bad guy. There, there are many films in British cinema set in the Raj era with some very good actors, and they're mostly quite subtle. It's like, imagine we are really, really racist and doing terrible things, but in a really subtle like way. And, I, and, and this is not that. Um, there's, <laughs> there's, this, there's this weird conflict, I felt. Like, they get the, uh, she, the, the daughter that one of them befriends invites him to a dance or, or party. And so he goes to this party and she teaches him and they're all like trotting or whatever. And there's a group of these like three or four English dudes with terrible like bum fluff moustaches like, oh, the brownies, look at the brownies trying to dance. Shouldn't you back, be back with the slaves? And, well, but um, also, and just to be clear, yeah, just okay. again to lend the scene some context, the main Englishman in this film is not just sniveling, he's the most, the most sniveling. <laughs> yeah. And so right. he does. And, he and, be, and, this... and the white woman, uh, whose name is Jenny in the film, who yeah. I found delightful. She's not just the good one; she's the best one. <laughs> she's the best white person. But they go to this dance, and and this sniveling white guy, who is like one of the worst actors you've ever seen in your life, starts like mocking. Um, what's his name? Anyway, anyway, Abim. Uh, Abim. So N.T. Rubber Rail Junior. He's on the ground. He's showing him his awesome dance moves while uh, he's the other guy is on the ground, and he's he's slurring him these terrible slurs. And and the other guy, like Rama, suddenly you hear, and you just see it that there was a, many slow mos of a tray rolling, and yeah. then suddenly the tray gets picked up and it gets turned into a drum, and his best friend comes to his rescue and he starts putting out this beat. And then the drummer's like, hell yeah, that's a good beat. And they all start playing this like Indian beat perfectly. And then the two guys come up and mock the white guy by doing this amazing 
extended dance explaining about this very uh, like energetic dance they do in India that sounds like Nacho Nacho Nacho, and it's uh, it's sped up slightly, <laughs> so they all look like absolutely the, the most energetic bodies don't usually move like that. And I've I've got this conflict. On one hand, I'm like, so oh, so actually, so, I'm just gonna, wait 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 wait, wait 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 Okay, go okay, go go. <laughs> yeah, no, I just want to talk about my conflict. Well, on one hand, I'm like, oh, this is really bad. I can't believe how bad this is. And on the other hand, I'm like. Fuck yeah, stick it to that white boy. Like, <laughs> natural, natural, natural. And by the end of it, you're like, what the hell? This is not good, but I can't. It may be better than I think yeah. it is. Do you know what I mean? What were you going to say? I was going to say that um, I've seen behind the scenes footage of them dancing and it's not sped up. They're just dancing. Are you, you, I mean, if you, it's a little bit. If you look at the background, you can see it. It's a tiny bit because they have that. I don't know. I, I think it's an Indian style where the movements are like knives. Like oh, every yeah. movement is like a knife slash. There is no flab on it at all. And these two guys who have a fantastic dance off themselves at the end of that number, they are clearly like super uh, people. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're huge stars. And even a lot of these films have big <laughs> song and dance numbers. And you didn't even get to the big song and dance number <laughs> that functions as the film's credits. Uh, <laughs> of that is That is also just amazing. And, but one thing I'll <laughs> say about the scene is that like, Again, like, I don't think you're wrong, but also, like, that scene is awesome. Like, that scene is completely awesome. Like, the N.T. Ramarau Jr. is on the ground, and the white man is being like, you don't know the flamenco, you don't know this. <laughs> and Ram Charam, like, starts a drum line with, of course, the one lone black drummer in the band. That's a whole <laughs> <Yeah>. other thing. <laughs> and then he thing. walks onto the dance floor in slow motion, and then they have like, a perfectly coordinated movement that... It, it starts out with one of them walking up, with Ramcharam walking up, and NTR NTR on the bottom, on the ground, and they end up standing side by side with Ramcharam leaning on NTR's shoulder and being like, "Do you know Nacho Nacho?" <laughs> Just like, and it's and it's perfect. And then and in Telugu, it's Nati Natu Natu, which is I think better. I've listened to both versions of the soundtrack now. I'm kind of obsessed with this movie. Um, <laughs> But then the the thing, one thing that this film does amazingly that so many North American doesn't is that like when they start dancing, the camera just pulls back and lets you watch them be amazing oh, dancers. That's true. Like it's yeah. so good, and all of this like the dance is clearly like broken up into several segments, but all of those segments are also quite long. So mm. you get to see that there's one segment in particular that I love where the white <laughs> the white boy tries to like interrupt, and Jenny, the good white woman says, no, I'm tired of your bullying. And then she pulls on the two main <laughs> characters' suspenders and says, go, and lets the suspenders snap. And the whole next section of the dance is them, and they're dancing like with, I can't describe oh, it, they're yeah. dancing with their suspenders. And it's amazing. It is simply yeah. amazing the whole time. I can't believe you're making me love this movie in retrospect. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's a- there's, it's just, you just, again, you just have to sort of be willing to, to accept this ridiculously heightened reality and i know that you're not through it but you haven't even gotten to the part where so have you gotten to the part where beam crashes the party who who? so okay so you haven't got there yet so um i if (laughs) so there's this whole like 20 minute segment of the movie that's basically a romantic comedy where ntr's 
Beam is like falling in love with Jenny, but they don't speak the same language and they're having these like interesting communication problems. And it ends with this not not to not to dance sequence. But then when Beam realizes the reason he's there in the city is to like rescue this girl that's been stolen from his village by the evil governor. And when he figures out that that girl's in the house, the governor's wife has started throwing this huge party. <laughs> and the way he crashes the party to like get into the party to save this girl is he loads up a truck and you don't see that what he's loading the truck with, but he's loading up a truck and he climbs in the back and someone else drives it at high speed through the front gate and comes skidding to a halt and does like a fishtail move and slams against a barrier. And this covered truck opens up and NTR, <laughs> junior NTR is goes flying through the air with torches in each hand flanked by all of these wild predators that have been in cages in the back of the truck the whole time. And it's like a <laughs> perfect illustration of the rest of the movie. There's a, a leopard and a, and a tiger and, a, and just like everything you can think of. At one point in the ensuing ridiculous action scene, uh, a leopard attacks NTR from behind and he grabs it and throws it at a British soldier who then has his throat ripped out. It is... <laughs> it is... <laughs> Legitimately incredible to watch. Wow. And, like, and that's the mid section of the movie, not even the finale. So, like, you have. Just... Yeah, you need to watch this movie, man. Like, I cannot recommend at least giving it a try to everyone. I, I will. I will. Yeah. I, I mean, I do. When. If I'd had time, I started thinking I would just fast forward the, um, the parts that maybe want to tear my throat out with a leopard. And just get to the action, um, but I think I'll I'll watch it in chunks. And um, and to be fair, that's exactly what I did. I watched it in like uh, I think I watched like three, like a couple of half hour and a couple of forty five minute chunks. Yeah, and it works. It's it's so long, and it's kind of so many different kinds of movies that you're able to do that. Um, I imagine, and, and honestly, fun. like if you. <laughs> If you fast forward through a lot of the like acting, which I know you're, you know, it's it's a different style culturally and just like performatively, but also if you fast forward through that stuff, you will miss scenes, amazing scenes of like, you know, multiple times in this movie, people say things like, I may be going to my death, but at least I will have had your friendship, which is more important than my life. <laughs> oh my God, stop. Make it stop. Make it stop. Make it stop. Uh... And you'll miss the part where, like, at one point, um, Beam is is captured by the evil British, and is the the governor demands he be whipped until he kneels, and the governor's wife gives the person doing the whipping a bull whip that is also laced with nails and glass. But rather than kneel, Beam sings a song that is so inspiring the entire crowd watching revolts. <laughs> <laughs> and like we're laughing but like it's incredible like it's legitimately incredible i have act i i started watching another i, I like this so much that i've I've literally started seeking out wow. other indian film this has been an awakening for you it's great it's so great and like so i'm not gonna I, I won't spoil any of the finale for you but like the finale has some of the most intense and insane action sequences that i've seen in a long time and unlike north american film it's there's i mean there's tons of speed ramping which is very 
an in thing here right now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. unlike those, unlike the North American film, it's all shot in wide angles, in deep focus, and you can see everything that's happening. And they're clearly doing it all. I mean, there's a lot of CGI as well, but like they're clearly at least like the fighting is all happening. The CGI is so bad. The train, oh, the train, the train, like, the, the train and the tiger are like uh, like 1990s cutscenes. But I, it, it but it's so sincere adds, though. But it's so yeah, yeah, sincere. Yeah. It adds to the kind of almost comic feel of the whole thing, right? Yeah. And the um, I imagine if you're part of this culture, if you're part of a culture that knows and understands how to uh, watch this kind of thing. This is probably one of the best things you've ever seen. Like with, with these two massive stars, this is your end game, right? This is, imagine people from this culture in a cinema watching this. How imagine people from our culture watching this in a cinema. It just feels like you need a big group of people. Like there's very few, it, oh God, I can't believe I'm saying this, but and there's very few movies I've seen recently that I would think, oh, I'm, I would like to go to the film theater and watch this, but this might be one of them. What have you done to me? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, in, to be I fair, can... I have seen I've yeah. seen video clips. You can find them on YouTube uh, of people in theaters watching the Telugu language version of this, and like when people show up on screen, the crowd goes nuts, like they were yeah. Captain America or Thor or whatever, yeah. right? Like, and in right. in this version, in in Indian cinema, they don't have franchises like we do in like marvel and dc but that's because people like ram charam and junior ntr and ss ramajuli basically are the franchises right you show up to see them there it's it's interestingly akin to like old hollywood in that like you go to the movies to see a movie star right like we don't really have movie stars in that way anymore but they seem to have that and it's 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 kind of delightful so um, I was thinking of that about Ram Charan actually when he catches the the, the painter guy where he's, the the painter is running away from them because he knows the information he bursts through the door and you just know that uh, Ram Charan plays this like police officer with and his moustache is the better should get best supporting actor and you know he's there you know he's going to grab him you know he's not going to look at him and you know it's all going to be in slow motion with a, a focus on his face as he turns and looks at this guy and this guy is like proper old school hollywood he really is and i would love to see him in the next fast and furious i think it's just like a match made in heaven and i hope if that happens the director understands where he comes from and gives these people like a good slow-mo moment with him like walking out of a river like wrestling a tiger and a crocodile and making friends with everyone at the same time. And then going to his best friend's house to have uh, curry with his parents. That was one of my favorite parts of the montage. Was that they're, they're doing squats and like chin-ups and like bike riding. And then, oh, let's have dinner with my mum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I suppose if you wanted to have uh, a Western director, like, tone it down for him. Yeah, you could do all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I mean, this is also the kind of movie that... This is also the kind of movie where toward the end, um, in the, the second, I guess the second to last action sequence, the one where the two characters come, because they have a falling out and they have to come back together as friends. Crazy. And um, at, one point, at one point, they um, Ray Stevenson's governor is driving towards an execution in, the, in a car. And 
a tree is fall gets knocked down onto the road to stop the car and when the car hits the tree everything goes into slow motion and not only is Ray Stevenson launched from the car but also his custom evil man rifle which is the most evil looking rifle is also launched from the car <laughs> which he then also catches in midair aims perfectly and shoots at the car ahead of them that's led them into this trap and the bullet hitting that car causes it to flip three times in the air and throw our hero off into the bush like again i can't i can't begin to fully manage anyone's expectations here about how much more this movie is like this is the most movie it's the most movie it's all movie all of the movie it's it's uh, fuck it. I am gonna finish it. Oh god. Yeah. I didn't think I was gonna watch it anymore. How many stars are you giving this? Oh, I'm giving it four stars out of five. Wow. Yeah. It's I mean uh. I I it it was a it's a everyone I think has a moment when you watch as many films as I think we do, where you find something where you, there's like a, a version, a type of film or a, a film culture that you have never really fully appreciated. And I think it's far more common in North America to be like, to discover French cinema or to discover the, the cinema mm-hmm. of Japan. And, but there's it usually takes that one film that you finally see where you're like, ah, I get it. I, yeah. I get it now. And this has been that movie for me, 100%. And yeah, I've, yeah. I have seen lots of other Indian film before, both big productions like this. And I've seen, there's lots of small art house film out of India that's amazing. A great one that played at VIF a couple of years ago was called uh, Lipstick Under My Burka. Is a great film that is just about these women who live in an apartment block and they all have, it just really explores their lives for a week. It's a wonderful film. Hmm, cool. um, but but this, this, this is the one that made me appreciate, that made me go like, okay, I need to seek out more like... Indian yeah. Indian epics. And you know what? What I'm going to be really interested in is every year at the Oscars. The Oscars is meant to be a celebration of worldwide cinema, and every year at the Oscars, there's one foreign film that is made bank somewhere, like Parasite, that is recognized, and that's the Oscars going, "Look, we do recognize international film." Um, I would be very interested to see if this makes any dent in the Oscars because the style of all of it, hundred percent. Style of well, that's the thing. The style of it is is such the antithesis of what American cinema considers to be proper cinema, and yet this is one of the biggest like movies in an in entire part of the world. It'll yeah, be very see, interesting to see if it if it picks up anything. It's not. It's it won't. I don't. I don't think it will. And the reason for that, and I think it's, I can't remember off the top of my head, and I don't have it in front of me, but I remember, I distinctly remember this past year sometime reading, and it was all about, uh, you know, Parasite and Drive My Car, and uh, it was interviewing filmmakers from around the world, and I can't remember whether it was, I want to say it was Guillermo del Toro, but it, I, I think it was actually... Uh, Bong Joon-ho, who said, I think it was after winning all those Oscars for Parasite, that he was like, it's just a local awards show. Mm. right? Like, there's more to the world than the Oscars. The Oscars mm. are a local award show to Hollywood, California. Like, not even necessarily just America, but to Hollywood, California. So, mm. I... It's interesting, because I've, I've drifted away from having 
the Oscars be important. And I like, I love the Oscars, but I don't, they mm-hmm. don't really, I've fully accepted. They don't really mean anything anymore. Yeah. And so the, this is not going to get any kind of recognition at the Oscars. It's not breaking big in the same way that say a pair, a parasite or a drive my car even did mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. festival circuit that would, that it would need to, for the Oscars to give it recognition and the Oscars very famously don't really care about box office success, which mm-hmm. this is the, I mean, it became the second highest grossing film in India less than a month after it was released, like to give you an idea and not just like in India that month, but like in India ever. Uh, and I think it's the third highest grossing film worldwide mm-hmm. for an Indian film, that's but that's just not the kind of thing. I mean, if they did, then then the Dark Knight would have won a shit ton of awards, right? Because it was one of the mm-hmm. first big billion dollar with a respected actor and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's just not how they roll. So it's not going to. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I fully recommend watching RRR, I... at least at <clears throat> least in America and Canada. It is available in Hindi on Netflix. And four stars out of five for me. I really love this movie. Uh, I, I after an hour I was ready to give it one to two stars but the, the more I talk about it the more I think I might have enjoyed it more than I thought I had does that make any of that make sense yeah. um, I think it's the kind of movie if you the problem is that when you compare it to the kind of acting in cinema that we're more used to it does come across almost like an airplane style satire certainly the acting does so it and definitely if, comes across you, cartoony but I think that I think that that is that kind of comparison is a mistake. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I I don't disagree. And so what I was going to say is, if you if you don't treat it as a satire, but treat it as like this uh, hyper real melodrama, including the terrible English lines, but the the style really suits everything else apart from the the English people. Uh, I really think it's uh, if you are the kind of person who drinks or maybe likes to get high uh, and have lots of snacks this is a great movie for that is to, to uh, uh, treat it almost like uh, a, 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 some kind of visual party. It's not like any film you've ever seen, unless you happen to have watched a lot of films from this region, which I, I, I'm almost positive you haven't because I've seen so many films and I am, this is a massive hole in my cultural understanding of, of that part of the world cinema. Uh, you, you, um, once, like you say, once you're on board, you're you're going to be blown away by many aspects of this. Yeah. And watch it in a group. If you've got a bunch of people who enjoy seeing one man wrestle a CGI tiger by pulling like the trap which is wound around trees, like pulling the trap towards him with his uh, biceps, and then apologizing to the tiger, saying sorry, I really needed you for, for what I'm about to do. And then never referencing the tiger again, ever. Oh, yeah. You're <laughs> like, just not far enough into the movie to see the tiger again. That's all that's oh, happening here. Oh, does the tiger come back? Oh, good. Did you not hear the part where he crashes a party with a truck full of predators? <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were ready in the truck. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you haven't gotten to yeah. the big action finale where they fight off the entire British army by themselves with a, with a bow and arrow. <laughs> or Wait, the... Is one... Is one of them the bow and the other one's the arrow? No, I mean I don't want to spoil it for you, but one of them one of them has a bow and arrow, and the other one has uh, his fists. Uh, <laughs> there's a, a great scene where he, I think if I remember correctly, he punches a person off of a motorcycle and then picks up the motorcycle and bashes another person with it. 
I wish we I wish we lived in a timeline where movies like this got video game adaptions because I would, yeah. I would play that. And you also haven't gotten to the point where when the two mains have their falling out and they have to they have to face each other. And this and just to be clear, if you thought there was any subtlety in this movie, you were wrong. Just like it's just there's just not to the point where when they finally realize that they so they not only are they both revolutionaries and not only have they become best friends but they've also become best friends without knowing that at this particular moment in their lives they are on opposite sides of the same conflict the song will help you understand that (laughs) and and when they realize that in the story they they are facing one another and they have to fight but the start of the fight involves one of them standing in front of a pile of burning and exploding munitions and fireworks, and the mm-hmm. other standing in front of a, a fountain that's been ruined, so there's water and water hoses flailing everywhere. And uh, the visual metaphor there is, um, I mean, it's it's not subtle. It's just not. <laughs> like, it's 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 wonderful but it is not like i i very much a couple of times went you know if this was a video game i think this would be the most popular video mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. but it's it's just that style of storytelling that you just mm-hmm. have to meet it on its wavelength and when you do you'll mm-hmm. be in for the best time of your life it is interesting how the last couple of weeks where we've struggled to to fill time feeling quite sort of average about boring films that we've seen We've talked for 45 minutes about this thing, and there's so much more we could talk about. And that's even after me just watching it for an hour. And also, this is an episode where I'm sick, and I was like, let's keep it short. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you love this movie. Uh, I mean, I, gonna, I very I'm much enjoyed it. it. I definitely started. Uh, there's a number of other films by the same director, S.S. Ramajuli, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I started watching one of them and I was like, oh, this one's a little shorter. It's two and a half hours. And then I realized that it's part one of two and both parts are two and a half hours. So. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, I recommend it. Okay. I think we should probably move on because I could keep talking about this movie for ages. But. Yes. Uh, are you are you even going to give it a star rating? I don't, I don't know if you've seen enough to uh, really fairly I, do I, that. Came, I, I started today after an hour thinking this is going to be a one to two. Uh, I now I'm I'm going to withdraw that because uh, just by talking about it makes me realize I really want to watch the rest of it now. So I'll see by the end. I still don't. I'm still trying to calibrate. Is this good as a thing rather than is this good compared to the things that I think is good? No, uh, yeah. Does that just, make sense? Like, just drop the comparisons. Just meet it on its yeah. own terms. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Okay, so who knows? Who knows how many stars RRR will get? Probably a million, because that's what this kind of movie is. But, um, so w- let's talk about our second film. Yes. <laughs> so moving on, um, Robert Eggers' latest film, The Northman, is now available for premium rental, and we've both seen it. And it is interesting and weird in its own interesting and weird ways. And... Um, do you want to give us a lowdown on the yeah. Northman? Like, yeah, sure. it's ba- no here's here's the lowdown. Actually, it's Hamlet, <laughs> but with Vikings. <laughs> yes, it's Viking Hamlet. I didn't know it was Viking Hamlet. So at one point, I went, "Oh, it's Viking Hamlet," and then you said, "Yes, it's an adaptation of the Viking story of of Amleth, which is the original inspiration of Hamlet." Like, of course, of course, you knew that, and of yeah. course, I didn't. Um, so good job. Um, so basically, there's a family. And they have a son, and they're Vikings. And then 
shock the brother um, does a power grab and this isn't really a spoiler this happens quite early on and as soon as you meet the brother you know exactly what's going to happen so it's not really a, um, a spoiler like if um, you've seen if you've ever seen or read Hamlet you know what's going to happen yes so. well, um, and then uh, the son escapes he's very young he escapes and then there's a big time jump and we see him and in the meantime he has gone around Viking land and basically uh, taken everyone's muscles. It's a guy called Alexander Skarsgård, who I believe is one of the family, right? Stellan's yep. son, one of the one of the boys. Yep. Who 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 has uh, dedicated his life to putting muscles upon muscles, and then when he has the muscles upon those muscles, he has added more. That at the beginning, when it cuts to him, he's become this like roaming uh barbarian kind of what the yeah he's like a right. berserker yeah so he's the, the the front army for that viking group who basically go in and uh can't be stopped and he at the very very beginning he's walking around and it looks like he can't actually stand up straight because his shoulder muscles are so big he his head is basically locked forward and the same height as his head or his shoulder muscles and he basically tears people apart with his bare hands and yeah. um and then he goes on he has his revenge quest and goes and uh it, th- through a story beat he ends up in iceland with uh, anya taylor joy pretending to be a slave so he can finally get his revenge on his uncle yeah what did you think of this i thought and i'm going to come back to in a moment i'll come back to how now that we have these this movie side by side with RRR, there's some interesting opposites there in that it is not that it's not sincere, but it is very much the kind of like dark, gritty. I think I think you actually said in a text to me, joyless uh, mm-hmm. telling of a story, um, but I think it's exceptionally well made. Uh, Robert Eggers has a real flair for directing, for pointing a camera, for uh, long takes and uh, for there's an authenticity in his films uh, in the production design and the way that they're shot and mm-hmm. that I very much appreciate. It is not a happy movie though. Like it is, uh, it's a dark tale of revenge. It's a tragedy. So everybody dies at the end. That's not a spoiler because again, you have to have read Hammond at least once in your life, right? Like I don't really. People read Shakespeare I, still, right? Like I, I'm, not, no, I'm not aged out of school, right? Um, I, I have taught so many mid-twenties who have never read any Shakespeare in their life. Oh, that's upsetting. Anyway, um, <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's it's very well made. It's very well acted. Um, I will probably end up giving it the same four to five that I gave RRR, but for entirely different reasons. But it is like, I think it's... I think it's my least favorite of Robert Eggers' three films so far, because so it is so. A... It is so. I think joyless is the best word. Yeah, I I watched um, straight after watching Northman. I watched The Witch for the first time, and mm-hmm. I saw The Lighthouse when it came out. I really love The Lighthouse because I think it does. It, it's weird and it has very strong metaphors and it's brilliantly active in it. And it has that sort of capsule of paranoia. It's a brilliant film. And one thing I will say, all three of Edgar's films do feel like 
joyless slogs. Like you've got this duality of I really enjoyed this movie because it's it's well put together, but they're all absolutely monochrome joyless slogs to watch, and you've got to be okay with that when you go in. What I was disappointed with with the Northman is that I don't think it was weird enough. Mm-hmm. So much, so much about Viking myth is about the life tree and witches and fairies and spells. And I was waiting for that to really kick in. Um, there's a point where a, a, in the first third of the movie, the uh, uh, Amleth, so Starsky's character, meets the series played by Bjork, this like witch. Uh, he's invaded the village and he finds the village witch who somehow knows everything about him. Um, and she has this amazing outfit with, and she's very mystical and she tells him what he should do. He gives him his his entire plot line and then disappears. And I was kind of waiting for that kind of mysticism to continue all the way through as it does in so many Viking myths. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't there for the rest of the movie. And the problem for me is um, as a game called Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Do you know that game? No. So Hellblade has, it's very similar in look. It has this Viking era girl who goes on a, quest to, to for revenge but it is absolutely tied into her mental state and the mysticism around the Viking myths as well and I really really wanted this film to be like that I really wanted more weird and it it um, it played it actually quite straight which I was really surprised at that there wasn't um, there wasn't the the depth of like the ghostly aspects. There's one There's one plot point. At one point, he tries to convince his uncle. He likes to fuck with his uncle instead of a very Hamlet, like play with him instead of just deal with him. And so he decides to make him think there's a vengeful ghost going around chopping up his guards. And uh, even that is is not used very much. Like the, the ghostliness is not used very much. <laughs> In fact, that made me really, really laugh because he, he walks up, the uncle walks up, and he's uh, he's recently um, promoted Amleth, if you like, to be like slave number one. So he gets to give other slaves um, uh, like jobs because Amleth he made him fight to the death, and it turns out that Amleth saved his uncle's son by headbutting another big guy's face basically into the earth. Mm-hmm. And so he looks at these chopped up guards. He's like, who who could have done such a thing? And you turn around, and the camera sees like five malnourished slaves and then this man mountain who he's been treating like shit for the last like two hours who he's just seen them headbutt another guy into the ground is like oh it must be ghosts <laughs> must, must it, be is ghosts. A, it is interesting in that like and to be fair it has been uh to be fair it has been a long sure. time since i've read or seen an actual like hamlet but um i do remember it being like just fucking do something the story you know <laughs> oh god yeah that's the whole point of hamlet that's the whole point of to be or not to be is that yeah he he can't take action and that's but hamlet also has his paranoia about his dead father as well so mm-hmm. it does have that ghostly side too and yeah i would i would agree that this one that the northman like i kind of went so the the northman himself amleth is alexander skarsgård and his father is played by ethan hawk and as in hamlet the the Ethan Hawke's character, the king, dies almost immediately. And 
I kind of do wish that maybe he was around as a ghost to like mm. just to be like do something son do something what are you going to do yeah. you're no true son of my like anything just anything at all you know mm-hmm. show up as like a rotting corpse and be like sup I'm I'm still dead dick you know like so, <laughs> something anything yes. and I know that's not the point of this particular version of the story but and and again it makes it sound I feel like I'm complaining a lot because I don't I did like the movie. I just didn't like it as much as I liked The Lighthouse, where the sort of fantastical elements, I would argue, are still not that present, but the performances and the weirdness is more pervasive, right? Yeah, definitely. All the mermaid stuff and the seagull stuff, it really works in that film. Yeah, but like the really weird stuff, like the weird tentacle monster that may or may not be in The Lighthouse is sort of like Mm -hmm. sort of scant, right? Mm-hmm. or even mm-hmm. the witch which i think is my favorite of his three films where everything is played quite straight but it's so foreboding the whole time that like i could barely catch my breath the whole the, the, during the movie the whole time first time that i saw it you know it's it takes the fantastic elements that are there but it's really tied up in like you know religious guilt and uh, a inadequate father and all this kind of like he has a real interesting relationship with father figures in, now that I'm thinking about this out loud, um, but yeah, I think the, that it wasn't weird enough is probably a really good criticism of this movie. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting to talk about the witch. My takeaway from the witch is that it would have been a million times better if the parents hadn't been right. So all the way through the witch, you they are these paranoid. Oh, there's a witch. We must be extra Christian. Mm-hmm. And even if the, that means like being blind to our current situation and it turns out at the end there was a witch and the goat was uh, um, the devil and they were right about everything uh, I think that film would have been much more effective if we, we hadn't ever been confirmed that there was a witch that it was just like the religious panic the paranoia that was so prevalent in Salem at the time that's and interesting because that movie for me that movie confirms there's a witch immediately like right at the very beginning like the you yeah, see the witch uh, like right at the very beginning. And I think and I would have taken that I would have taken the the baby like the baby mushing scene out. I would have taken the final scene out. I would have taken out maybe even like the devil talking through Black Peter and have it like I uh, just have it walking into the woods at the end and, and like oh maybe maybe there is a witch. Maybe it was a witch after all or maybe it was just this satanic panic that that killed so many women in Salem because of religious paranoia but it wasn't religious paranoia because there was a witch yeah. <laughs> and they I were mean, that right. movie and the movie is very much billed as like a horror movie where there's a witch but it's actually really a movie about the horrors of being an inadequate person and also there's a witch who lives in the woods so <laughs> <laughs> it's it's be nice be nice to the witch in the woods yeah definitely. um so yeah it's so my parallel between the witch and the northman is that i don't think eggers got the mystical element right in either of those movies for me to be the most effective. Mm-hmm. And, and and I kind of regret seeing The Lighthouse first because I think The Lighthouse gets the old sea dog suspicions and, and you know, what you mentioned about the possible tentacle monster, the uh, the mermaid, uh, like, hallucin- hallucinations, the seagulls. I think the balance in that film of the mysticism and the paranoia and the isolation is pretty much perfect mm-hmm. in that film. And so I don't think his other films get it either shown too much or not 
using it enough for me. I would say it might be worth noting that the witch and there's obviously some like I've seen it multiple times tied up in this too. But both the first time I saw both the witch and the lighthouse were in theaters, and those movies are super effective with a group of people. Mm. Like the witch is a kind of movie where at the end there was like silence, like stunned mm. silence, and it was yeah, super sure. effective, right? Yeah, yeah. And not just like people being like, "Well, that wasn't good," but people being like, "Holy shit! Like, what the? Yeah. Ah, what? You know, like." Well, that ending goes places, definitely. Yeah. And I feel like the group experience of watching a film may be important to his films. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Because I, I feel like there's definitely parts of The Northman that, if I had been in a crowd, may have been more impactful. Maybe. I also think that he underused Anya Taylor-Joy. In the trailer, there's lots of her like spellcasting. And honestly, she is, she, she is born to play this like earth witch <laughs> she she's yeah. got such a distinctive look about her at one point she casts like a wind spell and and does it directly into camera with her hand like and the 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 depth of field like brings her hands right up to the screen and i thought that was really effective really loved that and i just uh, and that's well, near the end of the movie i'm like why didn't why wasn't there more of that in this yeah film? i mean say what you will but Edgar's knows how to point a camera and he does know how to get great performances out of the people that he works with. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a really well-made film. Yeah. It's really, really well-made. It's the action is brilliantly choreographed. Everyone is really committed to it. And it it doesn't look like a fun thing to shoot. Starsguard said it was pretty miserable for the months of filming this basically in mud. Mm-hmm. They're actually in Iceland freezing their nuts off, I'm sure. So it is really, really well made and the acting is fantastic. And it was really nice to see Ralph Innocent as well, who who's a great actor. And I always like it when actors reunite from other films. It's like, mm-hmm. oh look, they're together again. That's nice. Even if it's just a small part. But yeah. I don't know. It, it could have been really could have been something special if it had tapped into the mysticism a bit more. Yeah. Well, so what do you think you will give this film? Out of the proverbial five. Uh, this is a very solid three for me. Interesting. It was, it was well made, but disappointing in that I I had, I have enough knowledge of what else that genre could do. And I think he just held back a little bit with the mystical side. And, and it is based on Hamlet. And we didn't have any paranoia from the Ophelia figure. We didn't have the key aspect of Hamlet absolutely furious that he cannot take action which i think is a really big part of that uh, it, we don't have the, the the dead father mocking him with guilt like all of these elements could have been played in a bit more i think it was just a little bit straight for me yeah i'm still you? gonna give it a four out of five with the with the caveat that that is almost entirely to do with the filmmaking mm-hmm. that's fair you know like the mm-hmm. the way it's shot the authenticity in the in the production design, the the real commitment to getting a lot of that stuff right, I think, takes a lot of willpower mm-hmm. in you know the studio system, as it were. And it's mm-hmm. you, you don't get you really get films like this in the the current era of Disney, right, and Marvel and <laughs> Star Wars. That's right. And so it is. It is at least different enough. 
from all of that to make me really very much appreciate it. But I'm basically on board with everything you're saying at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I do think where for me where the witch and the lighthouse are both five out of fives. This is a four, and so it mm-hmm. makes me sound like I'm disappointed in it where I'm not. Yeah, no, and, we're just being super picky. Aren't we? I think when when you've got such a talented filmmaker as he is doing such really interesting distinctive works that are so different from everything else you can you can find more things to to be picky about but it's really worth watching i i will say that it is super interesting to me that of these two films we've watched for this podcast the first one you were like ah it's a little bit too ramped up and this one the second one you're like oh it's not ramped up quite enough (laughs) no like what's your what's your goldilocks one in the middle here man (laughs) (laughs) i want i want the acting from the northman in the craziness of rrr yeah fair enough or i or i want i don't know play play this video game if you have game pass go to game pass and download hellblade send you a sacrifice because it is very much like the northman but with uh, it was developed with um, uh, a company that deals with uh, mental issues uh, like schizophrenia and anxiety, and it's all written into her character. And so the mysticism of the hallucinations are all part of her mental anguish. And it is incredible. It does everything the Northman does and then goes the extra mile. It's it's really, really good. Well, there you have it. Play <sighs> the game, the name of which I can't. Yes, <laughs> play the game. What but, we also, but also watch both movies. Uh, so Yes. Uh, next week, uh, we are most likely going to be talking about the new Top Gun movie, which I have already seen, and we're waiting for Simon to find oh, the opportunity really, to see it. I really hope I can, because uh, I really want to go into the danger zone. Yeah, you should. You should. I want to see it again. I will. I don't see a lot of movies in theaters these days, and it's even rarer mm-hmm. that I would see something twice. But I, mm-hmm. I've seen it once, and I now desperately want to see it in IMAX. And uh, spoiler alert: I'm, I think I'm actually technically speaking, I'm supposed to be. I'll be on a another podcast speaking about Top Gun this weekend, and <gasps> I. God. we'll probably not get the opportunity to say everything I want to say about it. Cause I very much loved it, but that's for another time. And then uh, there's another Canadian film coming out this week that we will almost certainly be talking about called the righteous, which I saw last year at Fantasia fest, but is finally getting a wide release. So we're going to look at that as well. Are you going to rewatch it or do you remember it? I, uh, so I don't want to jinx it, but I have, I may have the opportunity to speak with the filmmaker. So I will definitely try to watch it ahead of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Wait, good times. That's good. Good. Well, let's see if Top Gun can make me like Miles Teller. That's the only thing I'm interested in. Yeah, I mean, this is. I'm not gonna. That's another <laughs> discussion for another time. Okay. Uh, in, in the meantime, uh, I think we're gonna wrap it up there. So, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if you have liked what you heard, uh, once again, we do have a Patreon, which you can find in the show notes. Uh, but if you're listening, whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on, please consider giving us a five-star review. That does help us in pretty immeasurable ways. Um, we produce this and record it on the unceded lands of the Musqueam and Tsleil-Waututh and Squamish nations here in BC. And... Um, yeah, that's. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Am I forgetting something? Patreon, Patreon. Give us oh yeah, I'll we'll say Patreon page. again. Patreon. We have a Patreon. We have ads on the website too. You can just click on the ads. You know, if you want to do the thing. 
Um, but either way, we very much appreciate your support, and thank you very much for listening on this awesome Friday. Thank you. Bye.